humorist, Dave Barry. He, he was syndicated in a lot of newspapers and has written quite a few books. But he, he says, every time I went into the kitchen, I could feel the scale watching me. Soon it was sending me messages. Before you eat that third low-fat blueberry muffin the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger's head, it would say, why don't you step on me? What's the worst that could happen? I have not stepped on a scale in years because scientific studies have shown that scales attract gravity and leading cause of falling down. So for a week, I ignored the scale. But one afternoon, while enjoying a light pre-meal meal, I decided, what the heck? I'll step on this thing. Sweep, 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 sweep. When I saw the number on the scale, I was forced to face a shocking but unmistakable fact. The scale was defective. Through some kind of digital error, it was giving me the weight of a completely different person, apparently Shaquille O'Neal. But eventually I came to accept the truth. I am overweight. This is not my fault. My body, without consulting me, has been converting the food I eat into fat as opposed to something I could actually use like money. I don't know if you can relate to that, but if you can, well, I'm glad you're here today. I'm doing a series on the seven deadly sins. So the second one we're covering is gluttony. Now, this is a hard one to talk about for me. So give me a little sympathy here. If I poke you a little bit this morning, it's hurt me just as much as it is you. And I know that this is a struggle for many of us. So let's cover our basis here by letting me say it's too simplistic to look at someone and just assume they struggle with the sin of gluttony. Genetics are involved. Metabolism is involved. Maybe this was an issue for them years ago and no longer is, but it still looks like it's still an issue. Like, like I told you, on Friday, we spent the day with our granddaughter just sitting. Maybe you have a sedentary lifestyle at this season of your life because you're taking care of grandchildren or you're taking care of an elderly person, maybe your parent or someone. So let's just make this clear today. This is the no judgment zone. We've just entered the no judgment zone. We're not looking around. We're just asking, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say to me? Because I think this really applies to all of us. Seventy-six hot dogs. That was not the amount served at Camp Wakefield for junior camp. It was the amount Joey Chestnut ate in ten minutes. It was a world record, you might say. These athletes trained by drinking a gallon of water in 30 seconds. There's a Japanese woman who's in these eating contests named Kobayashi. Look her up. She's tiny. You just can't believe how much food this lady can put away. Eric the Electric is a YouTube sensation. He has over 2 million subscribers. He does eating contests, and he's a skinny guy. One that caught my eye was trying to eat 50,000 calories in 24 hours. Apparently, he fell asleep and went over his time, but when he woke up, he finished it. 50,000 calories in a little over 24 hours. He weighed himself before the contest and after. He gained 30 pounds in one day. 
I don't advise you doing this at home. I've had a few Olympian eatouts in my day, especially when I was younger, when we would go visit my southern relatives. If you didn't have thirds, they would be really upset with you. Like, what's wrong? Eddie, are you sick? Do we need to call the doctor? Should we take you to the hospital? I gained three pounds, not 30, but three pounds in one meal once. My mom was famous for her meat sandwiches. They were ridiculous. And I polished off a half a gallon of ice cream at a setting. I've been known for that. So outward appearance is no guarantee that you have the sin of gluttony under control. You might be a skinny glutton. Maybe you've never even realized because you're skinny that this is an issue for me. But I'm telling you, it can damage your soul. And that's why we're talking about it. And that's why the ancients said it's a deadly sin. Since Eve and then Adam ate the forbidden fruit, human beings have struggled with sin and gluttony. The Israelites in the wilderness. Let me read Numbers 11, 4 to 6. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. Yeah, they were slaves. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. You see, they weren't satisfied with God's provision. They wanted more and more and more. And so God gave them more and sent leanness into their soul. A few verses down, we read God saying to Moses, say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat, and you shall not eat just one day or two days or five days or ten days or twenty days, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why did we come out of Egypt? They preferred Food to God. And we've been digging our graves with our forks ever since. Do you remember that McDonald's documentary on McDonald's Supersize Me? About that guy who for 30 days ate three meals a day at McDonald's ordering the biggest thing that he could. And it nearly killed him. 680,000 Americans die prematurely every year from the effects of a bad diet. Our children are ten times more obese than they were 40 years ago. And, and no wonder. L- listen to this guy, what's on his menu. One of the most popular items on the menu at Mulligan's Bar in suburban Decatur, Georgia, is the ham dog. A half pound of hamburger wrapped around a hot dog, which is deep fried and served on a hoagie topped with chili, bacon, and a fried egg. The bar also offers the Luther... A half-pound hit burger served with bacon and cheese on a Krispy Kreme donut. And for dessert, fried Twinkies, two deep-fried Captain Crunch-coated Twinkies topped with chocolate and cherry sauce. Bar owner Chandler Goff said, There is no practical way to measure the fat or calories in these dishes. He has added a notation at the bottom of the menu urging diners to have the sense to realize that although delicious, we do not recommend eating fried foods every day. 
He also recommends people to exercise regularly and get an annual physical. These are great pleasures, Goff said. You just don't want to eat them every day. Yeah. So I definitely don't want to be the food police here this morning, giving you a bunch of rules and regulations. We're not going to get legalistic, but because this is a spiritual issue, we're going to talk about it. Food isn't bad. Let's make that clear. God made us with taste buds. He gave us appetites. Although my mom was fond of saying, as she'd see me eating a cookie before dinner, you're going to ruin your appetite. I never ruined it. It always came back. And it's doing very fine. Thank you very much. Genesis 2, 9 says, And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. God did this. Good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have to eat to live, but we don't have to live to eat. There's a difference. God gave the Jews dietary laws in Leviticus 11. He gave them feast days in Leviticus 23. He gave them the Passover in Exodus 12. He gave them man in the wilderness in Exodus 16. Food was important in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Jesus ate often with friends and sinners. He went to a wedding feast and actually multiplied the wine. He was called a glutton and drunkard slanderously by his enemies, but that shows that he went to parties. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children on one occasion, and 12 baskets full was left over after everyone had eaten their full. All right, so he believes in abundance. He shared the Passover meal with his disciples. He, He told the church to remember him whenever they eat it, and we're going to remember him today as we take the Lord's Supper. The early church shared meals together, Acts 2.46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We're going to have a potluck after church. And we're going to put into practice what we learned today, aren't we? And in Revelation 19, it talks about a wedding feast of the bride. Right. We're we're going to eat in heaven, I think, with our resurrected bodies, just like Jesus ate after his resurrection. So eating isn't wrong. Food isn't sinful. It's a gift from God in which we give him thanks. Gluttony is sinful. Gluttony, that word means to gulp down. You can actually picture it in your mind. I, I read this definition. I thought, wow, this is so insightful. It was a new insight for me. Gluttony, eating without a sense of community and without the joy and presence of God. So gluttony is more a solitary act of satisfying my lusts, of living to eat, of thinking, what's next? I've gone to parties before, and I was thinking more of what's on the menu than even the people there. We can be eating on the run. We can always be eating in front of the television set, you know, gulping it down. It spawns daughter sins. I have to work longer and longer hours to afford more expensive and exotic tastes, consuming more and more. Should our table sag while the rest of the world starves? We have no money left to help others. Randy Alcorn, in his great book, Heaven, says, nothing is more undiagnosed 
than our hunger for heaven. We think we need sex, pornography, drugs, a larger TV, food, fame, money. But what we really need is the person we were made for, Jesus. And the place we were made for, heaven. Nothing less than this will satisfy us. How we settle for less every day. We can make food our God. Like Philippians 3.19 says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. It is a deadly sin. When we use food wrongly, let me give you a couple things. Number one, we realize it masters me. It masters us when I'm using food wrongly. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 and 13 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. These were sayings the Corinthian church were spreading around. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The teachers in Corinth were advocating freedom. Everything is permissible. I can eat anything I want. But Paul says it may not be beneficial. It can become your master and become your God. And if you struggle with food, you know how true that is. Do you ever wish you could just eat all day? Ice cream. That would be it for me. Man, it'd be fun to eat that all day. You think about food all the time. What's my next meal going to be? How food comforts me. What's your favorite comfort food? If you're hurting inside, do you use food like medicine? And we know the extremes that can result, obesity and anorexia. Food is a terrible master. Number two, it dulls us. It dulls us spiritually, especially. Let me read some verses out of Proverbs 23. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you're given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Did you ever think food could be deceptive? Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. Delicacies can be deceptive. This is a strong warning the writer to Proverbs gives us. Gluttony and drunkenness dull you. I remember early on as a pastor that a group of us from church went out to one of those all-you-can-eat places, and man, I loaded up. And then, I don't know, shortly after that, sometime after that, I had to preach. And I remember being in the pulpit, being so stuffed, being so full, it was like I couldn't think straight. I was so dull spiritually. I didn't have any sense of the Holy Spirit at all. I never did that again. I remember a seminary friend telling me, inviting me to something that his church does fairly often, pie socials, where the people were encouraged to try all the different pies. And I thought, wow, this truly is the church's favorite sin and the church's acceptable sin. Pie socials. Number three, 
It violates your conscience. It violates your conscience. Romans 14, 20 to 23. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This was an issue in the early church of eating meat sacrificed to idols. In every pagan temple, there was a butcher shop connected to it. And the unused meat from the uh, sacrifice was sold at the supermarket, at the butcher shop, at the temple. And so people would come and shop there and get that meat. And some Christians were saying, no, you can't eat that meat. Other Christians were saying, yeah, you can eat that meat. And Paul said, it would be okay for me to eat it, but I'm not going to eat it if it bothers my brother's conscience. I'm not going to have that second piece of pie, even though for me it wouldn't be sin. It might make my brother stumble, so I'm not going to affect his conscience. Your fellow Christian's conscience is more important than food. And that's been my stance over the years with alcohol. I just don't touch it. One, I don't really like the taste. And two, if it makes my brother stumble, I'm not going to have any. Number four, it can destroy you. It can destroy you. That's why it's considered a deadly sin. First Corinthians three sixteen and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So whether I'm overeating or I'm abusing alcohol or smoking cigarettes, or taking drugs, these things can all harm your body. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Will we die prematurely because we've misused and abused the temple that God gave us due to sin? Now, let's talk about victory. How do I gain the victory over the sin of gluttony in my life? Well, it starts with thinking differently, right? For how I think Impacts how I feel, which impacts how I behave. Number one, hunger and thirst for God. Hunger and thirst for God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Ultimately, only God can meet my deepest needs. Food can't. Remember, it's a poor master. A daily relationship with Jesus Christ is so crucial. Have you ever hungered for Christ like you've hungered for food? Jesus has. In John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Is that your food? Is it my food? We never miss a meal, but we miss time in the word with God. Secondly, develop temperance. Develop temperance. That's kind of the ancient's word for moderation. Smaller quantities, maybe less expensive, although I do know good quality food is expensive. 
accepting the natural limitations of life, we demand that we must always be full all the time. That's not how most people lived across the ages. Fullness is ultimately for heaven. It's being content with what I have, exercising self-control. Galatians 5.23, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Let me just say a quick word about fasting, if you're curious about that. Fasting is not dieting. Fasting is skipping a meal or two for a day or longer for a spiritual purpose. Pray during the meal times. Maybe give money to the poor that would have been spent on food. Isaiah 58 would be a great place to go if you're interested in reading more about fasting. It's a fantastic passage that definitely has a social justice component to it, including taking care of the poor. Isaiah 58, 7, is not, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Thirdly, exercise in proper diet. Now, this is not my area of expertise. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. So I'm just going to share what, you know, I've read and makes sense to me. And yes, I did say good diet and exercise. Sometimes when I would feel the urge to exercise, I would lie down until it went away. You have to do both together or it really doesn't work well. Find an exercise that you enjoy that's fun and stick with it. For me, it's walking outdoors. I really do enjoy a brisk walk outside in nature, and I've added praying to that regimen, and it's worked really well for me. I have not loved gyms over the years because I get so bored on a treadmill. So I've loved to play sports, but now I realize my sporting days are over, and so I join the gym. Mix exercise, good, healthy diet and exercise. That, that's That's the combo to do together. My motto, eat less, move more. My pastor friend Jeff Schultz says, love covers a multitude of sins and so does a good sports coat. If you eat two iced sugar cookies, you have to do 425 push-ups to burn the calories. One ounce of mixed nuts, swim for 19 minutes. One cinnamon roll, cycle for 34 minutes at 10 miles an hour. One slice of apple pie, walk briskly for 88 minutes. One slice of pecan pie, jog for 60 minutes at 5.5 miles per hour, or do 3,400 sit-ups. I'm definitely not doing that. So that puts it in perspective for me. Good diet, healthy Exercise. Take care of your temple. God has given it to you and you are a steward of it. I will feed my body, but not my lusts. Let me pray as we close here a a prayer uh, on food and substance abuse. Lord, I confess that I have misused substances, alcohol, tobacco, food, prescription, or street drugs for the purpose of pleasure to escape reality or to cope with difficult situations resulting in the abuse of my body, the harmful programming of my mind, and the quenching of the Holy Spirit. I ask for your forgiveness. And I renounce any satanic connection or influence in my life through the misuse of chemicals or food. I cast my anxiety 
unto Christ who loves me. And I commit myself to no longer yield to substance abuse, but to the Holy Spirit. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.